With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. everybody and welcome to yet another collection of the year that was this time we're doing 1991 through 1993 as again we are taking a network-wide little break uh so everybody can recharge holden did you know that 1991 was over 600 years ago oh my god that's why my balls have fallen (laughs) off my body that's right. Now I duck like this, <laughs> sort of a William Shatner thing, but my own spin on it. Do you have a plan for what your old man voice is going to be? That's uh, incredible. That is foresight. <laughs> That's kind of, I feel, I've, I've, I plan to turn into a bird when I'm old. <laughs> so graceful. So yeah, the early 90s, what are we talking about here? I mean, for me, this is where it gets really weird because I am nine and ten years old yeah uh for these first couple episodes that we're gonna play for you guys and in, in my nostalgia but i am the most a baby child i have i'm not a person yet yeah, and i'm yeah. like gonna try and be like i was really into hip-hop grunge was like still burgeoning <laughs> well there was definitely a lot of stuff in here that uh we we, we maybe didn't catch till ap- later on in life that still is mind-blowing to see you know that came out in 91 along with uh, whatever else came out uh, during that year. But yeah, I, I think uh, the 90s may have been actually more fun for me than the uh, 2000s when it comes to the year that was. This, of course, is our series that is in our Patreon uh $5 a month tier. Uh, these are bonus episodes we've been putting out uh, over the past while, and we just wanted to collect them for you guys and, again, release these older episodes to give uh, some of you non-patrons a taste of what it's like over there, and hopefully you patrons will understand as we take some time off. But we won't be taking the time off from those bonus episodes. Those are going to be still be happening over on the Patreon page during these two weeks. So fear not. The content lives on. Uh, That said, thank you so much for understanding. Um, Let's give our editors a break. Let's give our network a break. And uh, that's exactly what we're going to do here. And I just want to thank everybody. Uh, I guess, first first and foremost, April, uh, thank you so much for the work you've been doing for us as our editor. And uh, thank you to the Last Podcast Network for uh, not just uh, providing us a platform to put this podcast out and all the support they give, but also to give us a break. We thank you for that. And uh, that's exactly what this is all about. Jake, anything else you want to say before we uh, bring on the 90s? Suburban Commando was the best movie of 1991. And I just feel like I didn't effectively communicate that in the episode. So just 
And through the lens of time, I just want everyone to know that if what was Jake's favorite movie of 1991? Definitely Hulk Hogan and Suburban Commando. It's just fundamentally wrong. But please, everyone, enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another bonus episode of Wizard and the Bruiser. And uh, we are not quite... I, I have been in moving hell, as you probably know from my various medias uh, that I've been putting out. Um, uh, for the past couple weeks, I've got like a few more days left, essentially, before... Things kind of normalize a little bit out here for me, but until then, uh, I don't quite have enough in the tank for a uh, what you watch or what you plan. I'm just gonna say this right now, though: a 13 Sentinels is a rad, uh, and and uh, God Emperor Dune is weird. Uh, more on that soon with. Henry and I actually sit down and start talking about it in a microphone, but uh, that's kind of all I've been doing at this weird Airbnb that I'm staying at. Mm. Uh, it has a beautiful patio, though, Jake, and it is just absolutely gorgeous outside every single day. Just mwah, 70 degrees. I'm up to my shins perfection. in the grossest, grayest New York slushy sludge that uh, ev- makes every every uh, time I need to leave the apartment a nightmare. And it's great because, you know, a lot of people talk about like the slush and the snow, but like what's really great is if you don't shovel the sidewalk outside of your building, which it is your uh, duty just socially, morally to do, uh, you know, people will walk on the snow and then compact it and then it'll freeze over, create like ultra ice, like the kind of ice that like repels feet. Like, you know, when you yes. when you put a, a drop of water on a hot pan, it'll kind of skitter around because it's actually being like <laughs> like it won't actually land on the pan because of the steam. It's like it's 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 foot phobic and it just wants you to break your neck like the ground itself. It's urging you to die every second you're standing. But I'm happy for you, Holden. I'm glad things are working out for you in L.A. You know, I just have to say, if you're going to go through the shitty uh, 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 thing of moving across the country and especially if it's from like oh say new york or a wintry place definitely move during winter (laughs) because you get out here and at least you're just like oh my god it's beautiful and weed is legal okay i uh, actually just went to the store it was fantastic it's two blocks from my place either way um holden the super bowl uh just aired uh digitally and if there's one thing i've learned from the commercials it's that uh, the 90s is officially when old people were alive. Old people yes. love the 90s. Hey, remember Wayne's World? Hey, remember Shaggy? Hey, remember Mila Kunis? That's right. If you were alive in the 90s, you're an old person now, so I can think of no better time to start our amazing breakthrough series, the year that was the 90s, with 1991. And of course, because we weirdly started our 2000s one at uh, 2001, we are starting this at 1991 just to yeah. keep being weird. And uh, I definitely like that. Also, holy shit, the 1991 was far better. And I am going to just go ahead and say the 90s in general, far better than uh, any other decade when it comes to media. Just based off of this quick glance. Where do we start? Well, I mean, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Hold on. Hold on. Everybody says the media from their childhood is, you know, things were better back then. Rose colored glasses, all that. And like normally like, yes, yes, obviously it's it can't be that what you remember is empirically the best. But hear me out. Um, 1991 uh, in December is when the Soviet Union collapsed and the ever present Cold War thread communism uh, was finally freed from the American psyches. Uh, at around that age, I was around um, six or seven, Holden, you're seven or eight. Uh, the 
this gave if mm-hmm. you were so this means our childhood our like not a toddler not like a non-entity our like bright-eyed cogent walking talking childhood was spent within the 10-year period between the fall of the soviet union and 9-11 where like america was actually free like everybody was free there was like the possibility that like there would just be peace forever like the idea that things are fucked was not like things weren't fucked things were gonna be great we were gonna fix the environment everything like i honestly like yes everything was better when we were kids but like no really we were around to have hope during the 10-year period when there was hope so i mean there are there are definitely you know let's start with movies there are definitely a, a, a fair amount of clunkers too i think for every great movie there was an equally terrible clunker during this time period, mm. especially like it's just so uneven. But I will say, talk about a great year for comedies just to start from the Adams family to what about Bob to father of the bride to city slickers to hot shots to uh, John Candy starring in delirious, a personal favorite of mine to naked gun two mm. and a half. This is an incredible year for comedies, my friend. And uh, I absolutely loved, loved, loved. And, and of course, I mean, we, we can't talk too much shit about nothing but trouble because it is such a part the of the, the podcast brand to the lore of this network to love it. But it is, I mean, it is a weird one. We all know that. And uh, uh, let's just say it's for acquired mm. tastes. But just definitely um, such a strong year for a wide variety of comedies that I saw in the theater. I mean, I saw The Addams Family in the theater. I saw Hook in the theater. Father of the Bride, I don't know if I saw in the theater or not. I may have caught it at home. I'm pretty sure I saw City Slickers in the movie theater. Um, Hot Shots I ended up catching at home. And again, Naked Gun 2 and a half might have been one of my favorite personal movie theater experiences ever. I just remember laughing my ass off the whole time. I mean, how old am I? I'm seven? I was like a movie buff by this point. I saw most of this stuff. If not in the theater, then uh, at home. What about Bob I remember seeing as a blockbuster rental as well? What's really getting to me is the sheer number of like, B movie, not B movies, uh, like double A movies that are being released. Because even within the comedy genre, like on the tab, we have like Fried Green Tomatoes and Samurai Cop and like all of the and, uh, you know, things like Problem Child 2 and House Party 2 and Drop Dead Fred. It's (laughs) all it's Ernest Scared Stupid. It's all over the place because the movie theater was at its height. This was like, yeah. Everything, nothing went to streaming, you know, maybe if it was the bar between like it can get into a theater and like maybe it just goes direct to video was not that high. And that's why I'm saying for every great movie, there's a clunker like classically Mannequin 2 on the move is supposed to be one of the worst movies ever made. Vanilla Ice starring in Cool as Ice. I mean, these are not great. But then you also have major classics coming out, uh, such as My Girl. Everybody was into My Girl back when that dropped. Uh, Prince of Tides. Where were you when you found out that Macaulay Culkin gets fucking murked in the fucking neck by a goddamn (laughs) bumblebee in that movie? Again, I'm trying to remember. I feel like I must have seen that movie just over and over again on HBO. It was like one of those. That and that Mel Gibson movie, The Man with No Face or whatever, where it has like the mangled face. Why was that always on HBO? It just always was on. Uh, But either way, just a lot of, yeah, a lot of moody moody pieces like I feel like my girls kind of had that Cape Fear definitely had that going on um those uh, but then like big blockbuster it just feels like there were more movies 
in the 90s every year than we have now for some reason. Like, I just felt like, how many movies? Uh, Double Impact, Robin Hood, uh, Prince of Thieves, the Kevin Costner Robin Hood, Backdraft. These are all the big, you know, big movie theater movies that, that were coming out. Silence of the Lambs. I mean, it just seemed like there was a reason to go to the theater every single week. Oh, yeah. Uh, the do- Val Kilmer and The Doors. I mean, that just, just constant. The Fisher King is another classic. I'd say what it is is, I mean, the number of movies hasn't gone down at all. Like, digital filmmaking has made it more readily accessible to any budget to, like, release a movie. But it's just reasons to actually get up off your butt and go to the theater was like this is 1991. I mean, there was barely an Internet. There was, you know, bare, you know, like maybe you'd go to even then you'd go to Blockbuster instead if there was nothing on TV. And, you know, because yes. the book was dead. The book was fucking dead. Nobody read anymore. Oh, fuck the book. Bury it yeah, and no piss and shit. Good for nothing. Deadwood pulp on with fucking buried Indian blood for ink. Terrible thing, the book. Yeah, fuck a book, bro. Yeah. But the just going out to the movies could be like a weekly thing during like summer or something. Um, God damn. Silence of the Lambs, Whoa. I keep getting drawn to because um, A, there were yeah. a million ads for that Clarice like r- prequel series on CBS. But like the idea of like the, the mind of the serial killer, the profiler, the elegant mastermind, the darkness, like... All that shit was basically born from Silence of the Lambs. Like, yes, the idea of the highbrow exploitation murder, like serial killer movie was all born from this. You know, all the Oscars it won, like everything from, you know, my my love of uh, criminal minds to just like the thousands of like exquisite killer fucking movies are all born from this one cultural moment. You also have JFK, which is huge. Oliver Stone's JFK, which presented... I mean, honestly, this is like back when conspiracy theories, A, weren't just everywhere, and B, weren't necessary. We're usually more held by liberals than conservatives, Mm. I feel like. But uh, that was a huge one. We watched that one kind of recently. Then there's so many goofy movies. Like, you already mentioned Drop Dead Fred. You've got Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. You've got Shakes the Clown. Just nothing but trouble. Just so many weird-ass comedies. One little movie I really like, talking about Michael J. Fox, who we, Fox, who we just covered on uh, our Back to the Future episodes, Doc Hollywood was a personal favorite of mine uh, that, was, that, it, that came out this year. I loved that. That was a great, just middle-of-the-day HBO movie whenever it was on. And another one that I loved, that my dad and I watched a lot, that is shockingly hilarious, that everyone needs to check out. It has an amazing cast. It's called Soap Dish. And huh. I just love this film. Um, everything about it. It's so funny. Just look up the cast. You'll be like blown away by, by it. it. It's incredible. Um, I, I do remember, and then Disney is kind of funny, uh, especially um, The Rocketeer was a bit of a miss, but do you remember that being like a lot of hype for The Rocketeer when you were that age? I went to Disney World with my family the year The Rocketeer came out, and they were pushing Rocketeer shit super hard. Everyone wanted a yeah. piece of that Rocketeer action. I put together a Rocketeer puzzle, like, I think at my school, maybe during, like, after school. And I remember just having so much hype for that movie and it just being such a kind of a clunker uh, itself, speaking of clunkers. And then, it, but then you also have uh, Disney kind of returning to its heyday. It wasn't, well, I guess it was Little Mermaid before Beauty and the Beast. At least it was... Little Mermaid was before, yeah. That was kind of the first one that was, like, the explosive new run of great Disney classics every single year. But Beauty and the Beast just cemented that run for them, for sure. 
Because I think, wasn't mm -hmm. Little Mermaid kind of the first one that came out after a little I bit of a lull? I think, uh, I mean, many people, the truest nerd among you, like the most diehard fucking nerd, will say Great Mouse Detective was the real return to form. But uh, Little Mermaid was the big commercial multimedia thing, and that was 1989. Shout-outs to Big and Ted's, uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus uh, Journey. The sequel wasn't so hot. Child's Play 3, just because we covered it. Uh, this so, is yeah. a weird anomaly from looking at the list of movies, but I'm seeing a ton of Dragon Ball and Ranma movies that came yes. out, but I'm, I assume that's all they came out in Japan, and it's kind of ironic that, like, Little six-year-old me is like complete, has no idea that anime even exists yet. And then by the time I'm in eighth grade, I'm going to be devouring these movies like they're the most cutting edge thing in the world. There's also a lot of movies that seem to be, there's a lot of action movies whose cover of which is like two dudes staring, kind of <laughs> grimacing at the camera or just away from the camera. That I'm, That's the last Boy Scout point break. Toy Soldiers, Double Impact, even though it's the same person. Uh, just uh, so many <laughs> movies with the same cover art, uh, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, yeah, for sure. Just a, a lot. It's it's action movies are king, clearly, right now. Like, action movies that are just a dime a dozen, though. Nothing that's, like, super a standout. It's just they're just pumping them out like no other. We are in the prime era for Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like this is yes. this is no greater. This is his dizzying height. Uh, Suburban Commando also came out this year. One of the weirdest ass movies ever. I'm pretty sure the screenplay was written by cocaine itself. <laughs> How great! Did you see Hook in the theater? Because I definitely remember seeing. I Hook saw Hook in the, in the theater, and it was a lot. I remember specifically <laughs> I being. I, I'm gonna go into my rant. I, I've done it so many times, but. Fucking the thing about Hook when you rewatch it now as an adult is you'll actually like pay attention to all the shit that's happening with Robin Williams and his cell phone. And like <laughs> his company is in the middle of a massive multi-billion dollar merger with a Japanese conglomerate that affects the jobs and livelihoods of at least hundreds of thousands of people. This is like a multi trillion dollar transaction that he is personally responsible for like seeing through to the finish line like jesus christ would his family get off his back some things they need to take the hit for the team <laughs> if he nails Amazing. this deal they will not have to worry about any recitals or any how like like yeah okay yes like uh, precious memories whatever he nails this deal they will get to live on fucking a mansion made of money forever right, this is right. in the scale let him get the deal I will also say I can't believe that this was hidden for me in my uh, results but Terminator Two Judgment Day came out in 1991. Wait what I don't what, how I that know is, I found I'm not it, in, it but that I mean Secret of the Use also came out. It says it's 1991 American science fiction action film. Yeah, when I looked it up, it was hidden in the sci-fi category. That like and not right up front. Yeah, very weird. I mean. It's James Cameron's world. We just live in it. As soon as those um, Avatar sequels come out, it's going to like dwarf the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're just going to be talking about who's your favorite Navi. Like, the man is unstoppable. Uh, 1991, son of a bitch. I, I can't believe that wasn't the first movie in the list of movies that came out this year. But whatever. It was hit, weirdly hidden in the sci-fi category, not even in the action category. Ooh, Boys in the Hood. 
<laughs> oh my god, dude! So many fucking major films came out this year. It's kind of dizzying. All right, like it really is. Uh, look, like try and do some mad scrolling and just name out like the real fucking clunkers. Just those like goddamn movies, because uh, already I've landed on uh, Highlander two and uh, Star Trek five: The Undiscovered Country or six Star, Star Trek six. No wait, six is actually kind of good, right? Five's the shitty one. Hmm. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, kind of that Scanners the, three, the Critters movies, three, kind of what I, I don't know. Val Kilmer. I guess people like that movie, but. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, People Under the Stairs is a weird one, for sure. Mannequin 2, as I mentioned before. Um, Ooh, Return to the Blue Lagoon. That's a good good one. Uh, Yeah, for sure. What's funny? Oh, uh, Steve Martin's L.A. story was a bit of a clunker. Oh, that was yeah. a bit. I feel like that was his last. I feel like he did that movie and then was like, "I'm just gonna become a banjo player. Fuck all this <laughs> stupid acting shit." Like, I feel like that was kind of one of the final. Like, this isn't gonna. Like, this isn't gonna sustain. But that's so weird because then he also has Father of the Bride this year. So, uh, which is he's was huge for him for sure. That that is one of my favorites from this year. Oh, we also uh, American Tale Five Goes West. That's not a clunker. That's just a. Shout out for that one. Suburban Commando, though. That is a clunker. Mm, big time. People like Highlander 2, right? I've never gotten into the Highlander thing. We definitely have to cover Highlander. No, Highlander 2 is like famously one of the most like insane movies ever made. I like like gl- like in terrible. I actually haven't watched it. I've just heard it in hushed tones. Ooh, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Marlboro Man. That came out this year. Alright, is it time <laughs> to move on to games? Yes, 100% because there's so many fucking good ones, man. So let's get into this. Uh, all right. Just unbelievable. All right, let's all right. talk about before, it. Before we, get to, um, before we get to, like, personal favorites, I just, back and forth, games that you think, like, changed everything. Just, like, revolutionary games that came out this year. All right, I'll name one. Uh, well, definitely Le- Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, number one. Why did it change everything? Why did it change everything? Um... It, uh, well, it, it just is, okay, maybe not a, a changed everything game as much as it is a, uh, just the, pro- arguably the best Zelda game ever made. I think it, it definitely, um, cha- I think it definitely showed people just how far they could push the Super Nintendo. They did so much with, um, just clever choices, so much with that light world, dark world, switch, switch over stuff that just... The amount of stuff they packed into a Super Nintendo cart with that game, it was like my number one. Uh, I think there are other games that changed everything more than that one, but it, it just it did a lot for um, that style of adventure of action game uh, and set major precedents, major major precedents, uh, and essentially made Zelda a franchise. Yeah, because up to that point, it it was just one really good game and a mediocre sequel. Uh, I'm going to say change the game, Sonic the Hedgehog. That was going to be my first one, and then I, I went with Legend of Zelda. But, I mean, let's talk about it. How did Sonic the Hedgehog change absolutely everything? It broke the back of Nintendo. It literally, I mean, we've covered it in our literal first episode, but Sonic the Hedgehog as a tech demo for the Genesis, okay, cool, fast-scrolling graphics, blast processing, whatever, uh, changing the platforming um, genre with an emphasis on multi-layered levels with more than one way to get through them, but the marketing. 
literally uh, the ad agency that Sega of America hired that focused more on MTV, on Generation X, on this countercultural positioning as this as video game ownership as a statement of defiance and like rebelliousness has shifted the entirety of American culture as I've like witnessed it through my entire life. Like so much of the gamer, like the reason why like Twitch, you can, I'm saying you can trace Twitch culture all the way back to the decisions that were made on how to sell Sonic the Hedgehog and beat Nintendo. And then you have the Simpsons, Bart versus the Space Mutants. I would now, say, um, I uh, say Bart Simpson's Escape from <laughs> Camp Deadly, the Game Boy game, is a more <laughs> That's stark, actually pretty good. what no. the fuck... What was it about these early? Let's fuck it. Let's talk about it. Why were all every licensed game was a nightmare back in this day? For some reason, people were allergic to making decent games out of licensed properties, and I think that's just because like the they fell into the wrong developers' hands. So they were always just kind of a shit show. I mean, the Simpsons, the arcade game though, did come out this year. And uh, that was actually a major, major breakthrough for beat 'em ups in arcades. I think I it like boils down to the fact that super popular. Um, when you got, when you do a licensed game, uh, if you're Konami, you're like this profitable big time Japanese uh, video game studio, and so like uh, Nintendo, you actually have the resources and the expertise to make a good game. Uh, when you are just a weird licensed Nintendo game. Like, you are literally just two British guys in a garage that were making, like, Commodore 64 games, and you're just, like, cranking this out in a month. Yeah. And that's why it's so, like, borderline unplayable half the time. Um, uh, but a real one that I do think changed uh, games for sure, obviously, and I may be a little biased, but I, may th- I think this may actually be the biggest game changer, arguably, in here is Street Fighter 2. Mm. Uh, essentially made fighting games a thing. Like, but there were really no, I mean, this was it. I mean, this is what created, you know, very quickly after that comes Mortal Kombat. Very quickly after that comes all these other uh, games in the genre. Street Fighter II established the formula and came out this year. And I think that that, I, 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 there's a couple other that we haven't talked about yet that I'm excited to talk about that I feel like you would maybe place above uh, that in terms of changing the face of video games, but man, I mean, it established an entire genre. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I think the only other ones that you can point to were ones that either established or cemented an entire genre as a popular genre, which we have not talked about. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, trying to play a fighting game from before Street Fighter Two is poisonous. It like physically hurts your body because like the controls are awful. The special move inputs, like, if they even exist, are terrible. You don't get to choose a character. Like, they just... People did not understand how to translate that feeling of, like, two people dueling each other in video game form before. And they just figured out how to make appealing animation. Because now I'm thinking about all of this stuff in the context of being a kid. And there was just something about the uh, animation approach and just the color and look of... Street Fighter and all of its backgrounds and all of its all its little touches that was appealing to someone who just walked into an arcade and is just kind of looking around for something to throw a quarter into. It just grabbed the eye in a way that uh, that the a game needed to do for someone like me. You know what I mean? And, unless because it's like I'm going to gravitate to a Simpsons game because I love the Simpsons, but 
There was something about Street Fighter that everybody just immediately latched onto and felt like, hey, this is like one of the new ways we play. Uh, and so another, I think, oh, well, it's your turn, actually. I'm interested to see what you're going to say. I'm, 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 I have three games in mind that you're going to say next. I'm going to see if I'm right. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Lemmings is a revolutionary game. I, that was one of my three. That was one of my three games, uh, Jake. Absolutely. So uh, lay it on. I mean, it's kind of funny because Lemmings, I feel like, isn't as huge as it was back then. But I feel like it was such a huge game changer. And I'm gonna go ahead and say it was because it got. A, you would see like for once you were seeing like old people playing video games because of this. I game. think. Having a game that uh, was at once playing to a PC's strengths, uh, using the cursor and navigating uh, across uh, those long levels, you know, it wasn't like a twitchy kind of platformer. It wasn't a sports game. It was something new. And the uh, just the like everything from the deep levels of strategy you needed to play it uh, for real to the just kind of base level where even if you weren't even trying to beat the levels, you were just kind of seeing what the little guys did or just hitting the nuke button and watching them go like, Oh no, what a world. And like exploding. Like it was this big crossover hit and kind of aesthetically and mechanically opened up the kind of the window of what a video game could be and who could play it. Also huge hit for DMA design in Scotland who would later then kind of become the grand theft auto house and like launch a thousand fucking ships that way. One of the two other games I was going to bring up is actually a sequel, which I didn't realize. I thought Monkey Island came out this year, but Monkey Island two came out this year. So actually Ugh, what an ending big game changer in mind. Uh, and that big game changer would definitely be Civilization mm. coming out in 1991, which, uh, again, I think just... I forget what the landscape was. I'd have to go back to my notes to remember what the landscape was for this type of game. But, I mean, Civilization obviously is, the, is still massively popular as a franchise in 2021. And the first entry came out in 1991. I mean, what a feat. And what a smart concept for a um for a franchise that would have such longevity that could you could expand on over decades of time with each iteration i mean absolutely fantastic uh i don't think i have any more game changers i just have great games i also have again we can keep talking about license games because i also got a bunch of terrible license games yeah it's 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 that era yeah i'm done with the game changers this now we can just talk uh memories well, I will say uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time is one of the best beat-em-ups of all time, and that came out at least on Super Nintendo this year. Maybe it hit arcades the year before, but that was still one of the, also one of the best at-home beat-em-ups, just mm -hmm. period. That was such a great game. Uh, Tecmo Super Bowl, that was a great one. Football game, one of the first big, I think the first big, maybe even football games. I believe Madden doesn't uh, first hit until 1992 which is next year. Another uh, couple good games that are just sequels and whatever. Oh, Golden Axe 2, and that's pretty good. Um, Ninja Gaiden 3 was a good one. And uh, Streets of Rage 2 are oh, all pretty played solid. Played the shit out of that one. There's some, like, the ones that I remember the most are the weird-ass ones, like S Cyber Stadium Base Wars, where, like, robots played <laughs> baseball, and then you... But then if you like, instead of getting tagged out on, if you like, you know, if you were running to third base and the field already had the ball, 
uh, you could play a little fighting game, and if you could beat them up, you could, like, steal the base anyway. Yeah. So it was like, it made the entire baseball part of the game arbitrary. Awful. Um, a lot of Battletoads. Just too much Battletoads. America could Battletoads. Clambering for Battletoads. Some shoot 'em ups. Noxious ass Battletoads. The worst. Final Fantasy IV, by the way, is solid as well. What shoot 'em up? Uh, I see Darius. I see uh, Armageddon. I see uh, Choplifter 2. Uh, God, the Captain Planet and the Planeteers, another one of the great uh, fuck you licensed games where you just picked it up and you would have no idea how the fuck to play it at all. And it would just, you'd uh-huh. die within five seconds. And uh, oh, the, the original mm-hmm. Duke Nukem, not the yes. 3D, the side scroller for like Amigas. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. Bad licensed games. You've got Home Alone. You've got. Um, Hudson Hawk, uh, you have uh, Terminator 2, you've got, um, Terminator 2 in the arcades was pretty good, that was a good, like, shooter in arcades, right? Yeah. Um, you have, what else, there was a couple other ones, there was, like, a Bugs Bunny game, just these kind of schlocky, we should also, shout outs to Metroid 2 on the Game Boy, mm. which uh, was a very interesting move for them to make the sequel of this very beloved franchise, or, or very beloved, at least, initial outing uh, on the Game Boy, and then, of course, very soon, they're going to rock the world with uh, Super Metroid. Castlevania 4 was pretty good, Super Castlevania 4, I mean, essentially what, the Super Nintendo came out in 1990, I believe. Because uh, Super Mario World, I'm seeing here, is a 1990 game. So, I think this really was, in a big way, the like the Super Nintendo establishing itself and hitting its stride. The Sega Genesis just starting to peek out and make some big waves. And a lot of fun arcade stuff still happening at the same time. Good good time for games. Yeah. Really good time for games. Uh, also, now, what? Do you want to do music or TV next? Uh, let's do TV and end on music. Did this? Okay, The Simpsons came out in 1989, so they are now. We are now in season three of The Simpsons, which means we are now hitting like good mm-hmm. Simpsons and getting close to peak Simpsons. Speaking of peaks, Twin Peaks in 1990. What a fucking banger year for everything, yeah. dude. There's so many. I mean, again, this is speaking to my nostalgia, but you've got all these. You know, The Simpsons, Twin Peaks. Home Improvement. You've, this is like the heyday of TGIF, the heyday of Nickelodeon animation, Ren and Stimpy show, Doug, that whole block, um, uh, and then other animation elsewhere, Darkwing Duck, stuff like that. I mean, I, of course, love Dinosaur. Tasmania. Oh, I'm sorry. Eon Flux. Captain N and the Super Mario World show, apparently. Jesus Christ. Was that really 1991? Why can I never forget Herman's head? Because it was existed. the most high Herman's concept, head. crazy ass um, concept for us. Anytime a TV show went super high concept, it burned its way into people's, especially children's heads. And I don't quite know why. I think because it's like breaking a rule. Like, it's the same reason why, like, Bewitched and I Dream of Genie and Mr. Ed are like the sitcoms that everyone remembers. It's as soon as you introduce something fantastical into what should be a grounded, boring, like, grown-up genre, like a sitcom, like, kids are just like, what What do you mean they're in his head? What do you mean they can talk? And I definitely watched, like, the season premiere of it and everything. So at this point, I think I had a shitty TV in my room Ooh, by this point. Ooh, fancy. Because I just was such a TV junkie. 
Uh, uh, also, Rugrats. Honestly, maybe this is tailored to me knowing my age or whatever, because Google knows all at this point. But looking at the shows that they are showing me as like the TV shows, if you look up 991 TV shows, it was a great time to be exactly our yeah. age. Like everything was tailored. It was TGIF. So you got Full House, Step by Step, Home Improvement mm-hmm. on Friday nights, right? Then also on Nickelodeon, I forget what day it was, but you had Doug, Rugrats, fucking, um, you know, all that stuff, Ren and Stimpy. And then you also had Dinosaurs. That was TGIF. It was just, you just had these like amazing blocks of animation of, of, um. Oh, Back to the Future, the animated series. (laughs) Yes, I saw that. I didn't know if we were going to mention it. Just real, it just seems like it was a year for kids. You know what I mean? Uh, but anyways, no, we're, I mean, it's just, the fact is we don't even, we don't even remember stuff like, uh, Drexel's class and the Torkelsons. No one one else does either though. I mean, the only ones that pop out of me that anyone at all talks about anymore, kind of dark shadows, Uh, twin peaks and maybe rock. I really liked rock, but in terms of adult shows, it was kind of weird. And in terms of being a kid it was great uh i remember silk stockings hot country nights oh god uh ooh a weird this is a weird uh fucking triple crown charlie rose the jerry springer show and the montel williams show uh aired at the first where in the world is carmen san diego on pbs fuck man yes i'm telling you great time for kids either way uh to close out I think music will be a lot more fun for us in the 90s, uh, for sure. And, uh, yeah, this is, this is we've got Losing My Religion by R.E.M. This is a very, very moody, very good time to be a also an angsty teen, if you're at that point, in terms of music. Because you've got Metallica and her Sandman. You've got uh, Guns N' Roses, November Rain. I'm seeing uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Under the Bridge. Um, just a lot of really good rock and roll for like a dude with long yeah. hair that doesn't shower. Um, it's actually I'm trying to see like because smells like Teen Spirit in my head is when finally like the metal era came to a close and grunge like emerged. But that think that's next mm, year. But I could be wrong. Yeah, Guns N' Roses in my head is like the last like glorious death scream of hair metal. And I'm sure a metalhead... We're transitioning out of hair metal. I'm sure hair metalheads would be like, how dare you include GNR? But uh, in my head, it's like the passing of the torch. No, no, no. I don't think they would. I don't think they would say that, Uh, God damn. But yeah, Smells Like Teen Spirit. What is it saying for that? It came out in 92, right? Uh, It says 91 on my Google list. Maybe the single came out in 91? Uh, now, Now I'm just playing a YouTube video. Now I'm just playing the YouTube video. Great. September 10th, 1991. Uh, oh, it did come out in 1991. Maybe it took a while uh, for, uh, the, for it to like build up ahead of steam. Maybe we didn't hear it until 92. I don't know. I think it actually kind of hit immediately. But I will say that, that we, are this, we are in the year where we, at okay. the very end of the year, transition into grunge, which is very exciting. It's a very perfect time to be an angsty teen and a bad time <laughs> to be really into hair metal bands. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. 
That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Wizard and the Bruiser, the bonus type. And the type of bonus that is the year that was. And 1992, Village 91 was just straight up a banger. Mm-hmm. 1992, a little bit weirder. We've got some big bangers, though, all at the same time in terms of films, video games, things like that. But yes, it's a bit stranger. Holden, what defines a banger and what defines a weird one? Because I feel like we can't we can't just leave it at that as just said. Well, as you said, you were like, the first two things that popped up are Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me for film and uh, Cool World. <laughs> Those are weird ones. Those I feel are like we should do weird. Cool World at some point. So it's not a bad year. It's just a weird year. It's a good weird year, actually, because an- another weird one that I fucking love, Army of Darkness, came out in 1992. Um, but Army of Darkness I, is also a weird one. It's such a weird one, but it's an awesome weird one. That's what I'm saying. Buffy the Vampire Slayer came out in 1992. The movie. The movie. Also a weird one, and like such a strange concept. Um, a, a All bad, I can see weird is one. weird ones. Literally yeah. everything is... Uh, uh, Stay Tuned is a weird one. Lawnmower Man is a weird one. Fern Gully is a weird one. Batman Returns. I'm going to say it. That was a weird one. Also, I'm going to say it, the movie Singles came out in 1992, and it and its soundtrack and everything else around it tells me that we are fully in the era of grunge here mm. in 1992. We are fully entered grunge. We also have Encino Man. That's a bad, weird one. Uh, Polly Shore, Encino Man. Is that Brendan Fraser as well, right? He plays the Encino Man? Yes, he plays the uh, caveman that was, uh, what, brought back to modern day. Here's another good, weird one. Death Becomes Her came out. I mean, every movie we've mentioned, Batman Returns. Every movie we've mentioned, people like, but they're all weird. Like, yeah. the most normal movie is Singles, probably, which is still, like, this testament to grunge. It's in such a very specific point, period of time. The only movies that I'm seeing so far that I'm like, yes, this is normal, is Wayne's World and Disney's Aladdin. Every I'm Everything else is, holy shit, a weird one. Uh, Toys! Holy to- shit, Toys came out weirdest. this year. One of the weirdest movies. One of the movie. weirdest movies ever. That movie always put me in a bad, weird mood. Uh, Radio Memoir- Flyer is the weirdest kids movie ever. That Radio is Radio Flyer is so weird. <laughs> uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man starring Chevy Chase. An incredibly just fucking humdinger of a leaves you disturbed and not happy weird movie. It was, it was always on HBO, so I always ended up watching it, and it never failed to put me in a weird, shitty mood. Radio Flyer, really quick, too. That was a movie uh, where the dad was an alcoholic. I feel like it was the first time, even though my dad really was an alcoholic, that was the first time I saw like an alcoholic dad in a movie. It was in a kid's movie, and isn't it about about kids constructing a um, a airplane out of the wagon that they had in order to fly away from home because their childhood sucked so much. I never Weird saw one. it. It seemed like a sad kids movie. And it's as a, a sad, sad kid, I was like, I don't need it. <laughs> a weird great one is Sister Act. 
Sister oh, Act yeah. is awesome, but it's also so weird. <laughs> I will follow him. It's such a strange follow him concept. Wherever he may go. For a movie, and yet it works. Um, another, in my opinion, a good weird one, but that's technically actually a bad weird one, Ladybugs, starring, <laughs> um, uh, oh, he can't get any respect. Why can't I think of his name? Ronnie Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield, and it is so problematic in hindsight. It's about uh, a, a boy that he he's the coach of the team, and there's this boy that he gets into cahoots with that pretends to be a girl in order to make the team really good because he's a really good soccer player, and uh, shenanigans ensue. And it's definitely a modern-day farce, and also prob- I'm sure it is just wall-to-wall a problem, Ooh. no matter what. Okay, from the mind of a child, from like someone who was there in 1992, this was a big year for dangerous grown-up sexy movies. Yes. We have Single White Female, Basic Instinct, and The Crying Game. All legendary. Legendary. Oh, no, you can't handle this. You can't. This is, yes. These are dangerous movies. Scent of a Woman, Howard's End, uh, a lot of, uh, I did really enjoy River Runs Through It. I'm going to give a shout out to that one, but also just not like a super, tra- it's just a odd, I mean, even in horror, Candyman, probably the greatest horror movie of that year, is a very bizarre horror film. We actually covered it recently on uh, Pop History, and but it was very much an against the grain horror film where they're like, let's do a horror movie where the monster exists in the projects of Chicago. Let's make it a black, uh, uh, um, you know, classic horror villain, um, which was which was a bit different for the time. Just a very fascinating tale and a damn good one. You know, honestly, this was a good year for movies that didn't really apply to kids. This was a bad. This was a bad year for movies for us. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and a good mo- year for prestige film. Dracula, The Bodyguard, The Last of the Mohicans. As you already said, Basic Instinct. There was so many hand that rocks the cradle. Oh, so throw that many in the dangerous, sexy movies. Weird, creepy, like sexy prestige films this year. Yeah, Jesus. And you can see some seeds getting planted for a couple things. There's some directors that are putting out some good first efforts that are going to become household names soon. And that would be El Mariachi for Robert Rodriguez. So again, Desperado is what's really going to put him on the map. But that was his, that was the movie that allowed him to make Desperado. And then you also have uh, Strictly Ballroom from Baz Luhrmann. And of course, he's now next. His next film is going to be Romeo and Juliet, which is going to be like the ultimate fucking. Uh, teen heartthrob like crazy sexual awakening movie for a lot of uh, kids uh, uh, for us that's going to happen in about four years though and then obviously he goes on to make um, uh, he goes on to make Moulin Rouge hey I've got two okay let me give you two movies wait uh, just to just to cap off your uh, directors doing exciting new things Quentin Tarantino came out with Reservoir Dogs also in 1992 wow that was the most the biggest one yeah and I totally missed it here are two comedies that only I feel like people in our age group remember and that we all kind of love, even though they're absolutely terrible. And that would be the films Stay Tuned and Mom and Dad Save the World. Do you remember those movies? I saw Stay, Stay Tuned as one of those early things in the theater where like, my parents literally let me go in by myself because they were so sure it was a bad movie. And it was not a good movie. But just the concept of what if the TV was real and there were aliens made me just fully euphoric. Yes, absolutely. And Mom and Dad Save the World, also just a terrible movie, but for kids and with a ridiculous ass concept that just made it fun 
if you were that age, but is actually a bad movie. Oh, Porco Rosso came out. Oh, That's pretty cool. One of the best. Miyazaki. I mean, all, Gib- all Ghibli's good. I just rewatched Howl's Moving Castle because it's all free on uh, HBO Max. And like, God damn, it's, he's truly the best. Offbeat comedy, action-y kind of things. Um, you've got My Cousin Vinny. Phenomenal. Uh, you've got uh, A League of Their Own. You've got, again, it's one of these situations where I'm like, I feel like when we did movies in the 2000s, I said, like, for every five movies, I said one movie in that year. Like, how many fucking great movies came out this year? My Cousin Vinny, League of Their Own, Lethal Weapon 3. Um, What else am I looking at? There were a couple. I I like Love Potion number nine, even though that's kind of a throwaway, I will say. But still, uh, just so many films just seem to come out this year and then also be good. Alien 3 also came out this year, which is... uh, I think pretty fantastic. And I do believe, wait, was Critters 4 Leonardo DiCaprio or was it 3? I think it was maybe 4. Leonardo DiCaprio, he says it's the maybe the worst movie ever made. That came out this year. Bad year for horror films. Very bad year for horror films. Candyman's really the only standout. This is a weirdly specific year for like the shitty action movie. The kind that like for generations afterwards, people still make fun of. Uh, the I think... The, we got Universal Soldier. We got Under Siege. Under Siege. And then, like, real just, like, are they making these up names? We got Kickboxer 3, The Art of War, Mission <laughs> of Justice. This one's just called Blood Fist 3, Forced to Fight, starring Don the Dragon Wilson. Like, Out for Blood, Gladiator. This is, like, insane. Like, I'm, I'm in the same mindset because we just did our Homestar Runner episode. But, like, these kind of trash, nearly direct-to-VHS action movies uh, were just imprinted on an entire generation of attention-starved boys. Oh, it wasn't a terrible year to be a kid. We got Three Ninjas, and we got Beethoven. And those were big hits, I remember, as a kid, for sure. Uh, Also, shout-outs to White Men Can't Jump, because that was such a cultural touchstone of 1992, Mm. uh, with Woody Harrelson and, uh, what's his name, Mr. Tax Fraud. Wesley, Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes, who's so fantastic. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's such a weird one. It's full of a bunch of movies I like, but I don't think hold up. Yeah. Like, I think it's a lot of nostalgia films, but there are some, like, I recently watched Death Becomes Her for the first time. And again, it's just such an offbeat, strange thing. Also, I didn't realize uh, Newsies came out in 1992. Oh. That was older. No, that that's makes, that's, that, that tracks. Uh, I never saw Newsies, so... And, and School Ties, by the way, for another one of those, like, movies that kind of puts you in a bad mood that's always on HBO in the mm-hmm. next for the next five years. <laughs> uh, adding to movies that were just punchlines, uh, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot from oh my Sylvester God. Stallone. Uh, oh, God. God. And now I'm just staring at the poster for Cool World. That's it. Holden, do you want to do a Cool World episode and have it be our most underperforming episode of all time? <laughs> I kind of do. I at least want to go watch it. I don't think I actually watched it. It's not technically good, right? But it's just a fascination. The thing that will kill you is they wanted to do like dirty Roger Rabbit, but they didn't have the Roger Rabbit budget. So a lot of the movie takes place in cartoon land, but they're just like doofy live action sets. And you have to just be like, oh, yeah, I'm a cartoon guy. Yeah, this is this is not real. And the illusion is kind of shattered because what you really want is what you saw in the trailer, which is this perfect fusion of 2D and 3D. Right, right. And they don't have it. But some of that animation looks really interesting. 
I feel like, okay, the 1982 video games, very, again, very odd. Very odd. But but has some, some big favorites for me. One game I can't wait to actually finally play because I feel like we've covered it uh, as a influence on so many different video games is Dune 2, the mm. RTS game. And I, I believe we will for the podcast that we're I'm doing with Henry, we're going to play that on the LPN stream at some point. And I'm actually very curious about that. It feels like a lot of tee-up games. Like a lot of games that were tee-ups for the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what I mean by that is that definitely Mortal Kombat. That, that's probably going to be the biggest game-changer, like, splash game of this year. Like, last year, 1991, rather, we got Street Fighter Two, and then the answer to that was Mortal Kombat, the game that you couldn't show your parents. It was the edgy game. We also had Wolfenstein 3D on PC, which kind of ushered yes. in the era of the first-person shooter. Absolutely right, and, and another another year. evil game, too violent, Nazis. Yes, so it's edge edgier. It's like starting the. It, this is the first time video games are getting actually edgy. Also, Dune Two, I would put in that category because again, it was always that game we would reference when we would talk about a game called like Starcraft. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was like the precursor, the 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 starter of. There's also some, some really solid sequels. Um, Super Mario. Well, Super Mario Kart. It's just the first Super Mario Kart. Yeah. So that's huge. That's probably the most important game here. <laughs> I mean, Besides it Mortal was Kombat. A, it's a yeah. It's a classic, but like, it's so weird how Mario Kart became like the universal game. Like everybody yeah. can play that game. Um, yeah. We talked about how games got more dangerous and uh, gnarly, but also a lot more wholesome. Because you know who made their debut in 1992? Who? The Puffball himself. The another uh, victim of tax fraud, Kirby. Kirby's Dreamland on the Game Boy from How. So I didn't realize. I thought because isn't there a Kirby game on the NES? Or that no? came way later. That was like one of the last great uh, NES games that came out. I never realized that. I always just assumed the first game was on NES. But yes, Kirby's Dreamland on the Game Boy. So the thing I liked about Kirby's Dreamland, and honestly, right next to it on my list is Super Mario Land Two, uh, mm-hmm. Six Golden Coins. And the thing I liked about both of those games. Where for the first time, I feel like the first generation of Game Boy games, it was like Mario Land, which you could beat, but it was very, very hard. Um, there was like that Castlevania game, which was kind of impossible, in my opinion. There were just all these games that were like impenetrable, but really fun, but you can never actually beat. And with Kirby's Dream Land and Mario Land 2, it was like, oh, finally a game I can like on a long car ride actually play all the way through and beat. And it's like satisfying every time I do it. And I'm just happy to have this game in my collection. Because I just sometimes you just want to beat a game, you know, <laughs> and not be like absolutely furious by level four or whatever it is. It was know? such a simple thing, but like they just took the time to kind of also what they did with Link to the Past, which I guess it'll come up in the next year or so. They just took a Nintendo or an SNES game and just zoomed in and made the sprites just a little bit bigger than they would have just so you can see what's happening. And with the yeah. bigger sprites, like. The challenge had to go down a little bit because you couldn't see what's coming, but it just made for a much more holistic, like, Nintendo on-the-go experience, especially with Mario Land 2 and Kirby. Maybe they learned the lesson a little bit, like, I think originally it was like, we have to make these games really hard because they're not very long, and we want people to get their money's worth, right? I think they finally... A, got, were uh, allowed the bandwidth to make a longer game, mm. but also realized, like, oh, sometimes people like to just beat a game, and they'll replay it mm-hmm. because it's a fun game, but, like, why don't we just let them beat it as opposed to making it, like, 
you know, I'm thinking of like um, Cliffhanger or whatever, mm. right? Uh, uh, or something like that, right? Cl- Cliffhanger? No. What am I thinking of? Well, either Low way. Runner? I don't know. No, or the game of the guy that the guy jumps across the, he swings on the vines. And oh, jumps across uh, the- uh, Pitfall. Pitfall. I'm thinking of Pitfall. You know, like Pitfall, even original Mario was maybe the most beatable of all of those, but it was still hard. Or like Mario 3. I mean, the game just gets so difficult by the end that, you know, without save states, it's just very frustrating. So it was very nice, especially as a little kid, to have something that I feel like I could master. Uh, All right, man. Just there's also so many weird licensed games, stuff like that. Of course, Krusty's Funhouse. We're we're still in the dregs of Bad Simpsons licensed games. Yeah, Uh, we got Funhouse. Oh God, Krusty's Funhouse! What a fun oh God, game. that is that the X Men game came out. Which one? Is that the uh, the Genesis wait, wait. one? Oh no, no, the awesome arcade game came out this oh, year. Oh awesome. good, oh, not the God. bad Genesis game. I, I also, by the way, probably the most important game for me that year as a kid personally, because it was one of those games. It was like I got it. I pre-ordered it. I got it day one, and it actually was as satisfying as it was hyped to be with Sonic the Hedgehog two. Arguably the best entry of the whole entire Sonic canon. Uh, and just one of the first times there was actual hype around a sequel. And like, I got it day one and it actually paid off. and was this incredibly rewarding, fun-ass video game experience. And I was a Sega kid. Like, I needed this game to be awesome. Or I definitely would have felt like I, I should have asked for a Super Nintendo that Christmas before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so it was very, very nice. But... um but also a transition into adulthood a little bit for a young Holden with Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. Like, really starting to transition from little boys and their toys to adult stuff. Oh my god, that awful Batman Returns Sega Genesis game came out. I played the fuck out of that. That came out this year as well. Besides that, I'd say uh, Streets of Rage 2 was a solid one. Um, uh, another bad license one, the Adams Family video game. Super Star Wars, which legitimately was a good licensed game. Super Star Wars came out. That was actually a lot of that. Was that good platformer came out. Yeah, uh, for some reason the Google list is like a little bit lacking, so I had to jump to Wikipedia. Uh, we got uh, Echo the Dolphin, apparently. Whoa, Kid Chameleon, which was a game I super loved, which was like this platformer um, where you're this kid and you put on these different like helmets and you change in a different. It's kind of like Kirby, but for Sega Genesis. And you're a cool skateboarding kid as opposed to a big fluffy fluff ball. A lot of sports games. I, I see a Mario Lemieux hockey, football frenzy, tons of uh, Evander Holyfield boxing. It feels like this the sports tie-in was big at this point. Oh, and Madden 92 was huge. I remember my brother made me get Madden 92 on the promise that it was going to be amazing. I, rem- I realized playing it that I still don't like fucking football. <laughs> Which, by the way, I like football a lot more now, but... Uh, it definitely was this curse on my Sega Genesis because now I had an older brother in my room playing fucking Madden all the time and not letting me play my own video game system, and it pissed me right the fuck off. Uh, Interplay releases Alone in the Dark, which is the first ever survival horror game as such. Uh, let's see, we got uh, Zool, the uh, terrible character-based platformer, which uh, went on to become one of the best-selling Amiga games of all time. And uh, Yu Suzuki makes use of world-shattering polygonic graphics to make Virtua Racer. Oh, that's actually huge. So the 3D revolution is happening. 
between Wolfenstein 3D and Virtual Racer, those are some big arguments for the new generation to come, which is crazy that it was all the way back in 1992 that that already was starting. And uh, who can forget Night Trap, the, the FMV game of the year, Night Trap on Sega CD, which also, by the way, means that we are now moving into Sega CD and, th- and the whole like weird peripheral, adi- or not peripheral, the weird like Sega hardware add-on era, which mm. totally blew up in their faces. Uh, the 1993 congressional hearing uh, with Joe Lieberman um, was in that was 1993. So Doom yeah. and Mortal Kombat and Night Trap didn't fully terrorize America yet. It was still. Well, again, it wasn't Doom. It was Wolfenstein. Did Doom? Doom didn't come out. This I think year, Doom did it? came out the next in 1993. So it got. 93 up. is the yeah. 93 is the year where like the parents got scared. Yeah. This is like the beginning of the parents getting scared, but like they got really scared in 93. So that's gonna be a fun year for us. Uh, that'll definitely be all the memories. I mean, this happened perfectly for our generation too. We were at the exact right age to want to pull the spine out of another man in a video game and uh, and make our parents truly upset about it. Can we jump on to music? Yeah, yeah, sure. Because according to the uh, Billboard year-end Hot 100 singles of 1992, the number one song was End of the Road by Boys to Men. Okay. Followed by Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-a-Lot. Yep, we're moving into hip-hop. Hip-hop is dumb. Is the uh, we don't get a rock band until Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers at number eight. According to according to the people of 1992, Criss Cross's jump was exponentially better than Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's funny because it really is. Uh, Hip hop was so weirdly horny in the beginning too. We have Humping Around by Bobby Brown as well. It was all about wait, being hold on. Have you not heard any Cardi B and Megan The Stallion? It is still dominantly horny. Absolutely, but we were just slapped in the face with it. Also, the death of the 80s probably happened with Friday, I'm in Love by The Cure. I can't believe that came out in 1992. Of course, Country was uh, taken by storm by a little man named Billy Ray Cyrus and his song, Achy Breaky Heart. Fantastic stuff. Um, Rhythm is a dancer for the uh, dancing. So, you know, his big dance was coming back in a big way, for sure. Uh, or like clubbing clubbing was, was starting to happen a little bit, for sure. God damn it. Uh, what else? Oh, Creep came out in 1992 by TLC. That's a big one. Oh, sure. yeah. TLC was dominant this year. Uh, baby, uh, baby, But for baby. me, I snuck into my brother's room to listen to a little tape single he had by a certain band called Ugly Kid Joe called Everything About You. And the chorus went, I hate everything <laughs> about you. And it was like, this was the year where like we were starting to become teenagers or we were starting to like get angst. A little bit, and we were starting to get rude a little bit, and like crude, and we wanted blood and guts, and we wanted songs about humping each other, and we wanted songs about hating each other, and just like, it's just starting to seep in, and maybe it's seeping in a little early for me, because I had an older brother, so I was catching this a little bit, because I definitely, I don't think I was a teenager by this point. No, no, no you I were still a, you were still. 10 years old, yeah. I was 10 years old, so almost a teenager though, we're like moving, we're getting there. I I'm feel like... To- even by 14, you are still, like, a proto-teenager. Yeah, True but teenager. Da- if you have an older brother, you're dabbling in these spaces. Ooh, okay, yes. I totally that's buy that. That's what's going on. Like, that's why I feel like I was a teenager by that point. Uh, you know what a lame little kid I was at this time? You know what I thought was the height of coolness? You know what I thought was the sound of my generation in 1992? 
What? Jump Around by House of Pain. That's a great song. Jump that's up, still a good song. Jump up and get down. Hey, jump, that's still jump, good. Jump. Oh, God, that, I like. I burned a hole in that single because I played it through so many times. How did my parents <laughs> not throw me out a window? Uh, I don't know, but I will say uh, this is the year where television was going to change wholesale. This was the year that, unbeknownst to all of us, would unlock uh, doors such as Keeping Up with the Kardashians, 90 Day Fiance, uh, Jersey Shore, all of that reality trash that you now know and love. It all started this year with The Real World on MTV. Uh, The first season, it looks like, released. And it wasn't something I was watching just yet. I was definitely watching MTV. Maybe I was watching a little bit of it. But it was definitely a big, big year for reality television with that show. Because that was, and even though in its infancy, it was actually more like a docu-series. And it was actually pure and interesting and just following real-ass people living together in a house. But, uh, and you know, it definitely got warped and twisted and turned into this monster. But uh, it definitely started with that. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say, actually, true reality didn't start until the inclusion of Puck. On season like two or three, because it was like that once they discovered Puck, they were like, oh, we need one of these guys <laughs> to fuck the whole thing up and make it a nightmare. And then the people can't stop watching, uh, which I think is quite funny. So that was a big for, that was a big one for that. Uh, and then everything else I'm looking at here. I mean, for OK, for let's look at kids stuff for sure. Sailor um, Moon. Uh, that big. has to I can't tell if. That, I guess it has to be the American premiere, right? Must or, be, must be. Because I think it started in like 1989. Um, probably all, the biggest show. Probably the biggest show that launched for us is going to be Rocco's Modern Life. Oh, I was going to say X Men on Fox, the animated series. So burned into my head. Vital. So I just mentioned that the arcade hit arcades. And you're saying X-Men, the cartoon hit. This really was the beginning of a the massively popular craze of X-Men for kids our age. Started yeah. this year. Because it was between the cartoon and the animated show. And then I guess, when did the boom happen where people were like, oh, you got to get the first one. They'll sell for thousands of dollars. I think X-Men, the reason why it got the cartoon was because of the... Uh, I think to this day, X Men number one is still the best selling, um, best selling comic book of all time with the Jim Lee uh, cover because it's the Jim Lee designs that are in the animated series. Weirdly enough, uh, I think we went into this on our X Men episode. The arcade game was based on a pilot that used like the old like kind of Chris Claremont, uh, John Byrne designs, and that. Pilot went nowhere, but the game stayed in arcades for a while. So, I don't quite, I don't quite know how the timing works out with that. But well, I will it was say this: serialized. Jake. It was mopey. It had all of my favorite sexy spandex people. I like God, country, and family would fall from my rage. If they stood between me and my Saturday morning update on the X Men, I, I also got to I also got to say this, Jake. Out of curiosity, I looked it up, and yes, Spawn number one dropped May 1992. So I must have been in fourth grade. I definitely got the first one right when it came out, and yes, this was the year that comic books became a big deal for me. Uh, and my brother pushed me into it. I was already getting into comic books. 
But and yes, all those X-Men variant covers, all of those like hologram covers, all that kind of stuff. This was the big deal era, the 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 boom in the butt, uh, which led to the bust of the comic book industry happened right around now. Yeah, X-Men's on TV. I am like, I have fucking comic book fever at this point. I remember I used to go to the pool and I would I would dip down underwater and I'd like pretend to be all the different X-Men like doing flips and stuff and like fighting underwater and stuff. Like I just always wanted to be X-Men and like, or Spawn or whatever. Like I just always wanted to be in this world. You know what else uh, premiered in 1992? What? Uh, Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. By the way, a, a video game we didn't mention was uh, Darkwing Duck, which means Darkwing Duck was a big deal at this point as well. This th- Right now is the era for me of getting home from school, immediately watching afternoon cartoons until they were done. <coughs> TGIF, uh, uh, comic books. I'm, I'm getting sad right now because I miss it. <laughs> Awesome action figure, like like those Batman animated series action figures were fucking awesome too. Those yeah, were great. no, the comics, the TV shows, the movies, like this level of euphoria surrounding superheroes was so palpable that it makes sense that like, you know, however many, you know, I guess uh, 1990 gave way to 2002, and then it wasn't, and then in 2008 the Marvel universe started up by the like same generation that like felt that hype. That like understood why these characters actually were so addictive. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. I am a TV junkie by this point. I am, and I am like everywhere I went. So like, if we'd go on a beach trip, all I wanted to do was go to an arcade that had that X Men cabinet. If we, you know, if we were like, you know, every single week or every once a month, I went to the comic store to get the new Spawn. I was just obsessed with like going to the comic store. And I'm about to be obsessed with going to the CD store. Let's so because I think I'm in fourth grade right now. Ninety three, we're going to be in fifth grade. And I'm going to switch schools, and things are going to get really interesting for me. And I'm going to have this whole music like revolution happen. And I'm going to move away from comic books, but I'm going to stay really into video games. I'm so excited to get into like when the PlayStation drops. Oh yeah, and shit in the next few years or whatever it is, or like in uh, four years. Also premiering in 1992 is Barney and Friends, which I think fits into oh the 10-year-old kind Perfect of mindset. For us. Yeah, because we're done with that shit. There was no pure, like there are ancient racial ethnic conflicts that are just petty compared to the amount of vitriol and disgust a eight to ten year old felt to for Barney in nineteen ninety-two. Yeah. Totally. It was defining. But it was also it was a way for us to reject our childhood in a fun, silly way that we were just not quite able to do, you know, up until that like like I think it was a fun way for us to be like, I'm done with that shit. Whereas it used to be scary. Like I remember being scared to like walk away from Sesame Street. To walk away from, you know, to 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 put the action figures back in the box, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, and like and move away from that kind of childhood into my next level of childhood, which is comic books and video games and stuff. But but Barney was a, a way for us to gleefully turn our back on that stage in our childhood, I think, and and have something to make fun of. And then of course, um, after that, what are they called? And then after that was like for the next generation, that would be the which we call it, the Teletubbies. After yeah. that. It was like, you always needed that thing that was like, I don't do that shit. That's for lame little kids kind of 
when you, when you get to this age. Shout outs also to Martin, even though he's a psycho. <laughs> Martin hanging with Mr. Cooper. Um, yeah. Good, good sitcom days. Uh, Solid, but also like black run comedies, which yeah. is kind of cool. And getting, and, and getting that out more and that being like a bigger deal which is actually this is kind a, of a big kind of a nice year movie. for i feel like this was a year that nickelodeon owned me like i was just the yeah. property of mtv networks and viacom because yes uh in the beginning of the year we had nick arcade which if you've ever wanted yes. the thrill of seeing a confused uh nine-year-old navigate a green screen that he can't clearly see mm, nick arcade uh, the SNCC lineup was definitely uh, happening because Roundhouse and Are You Afraid of the Dark premiered this year. Nickelodeon Guts premiered. This was, yeah, I was a, I was absolutely a member of the slime cult. And and between 91 and 92, this was our heyday of going to the arcade. We were like just old enough to get to go have fun in an arcade, even like the bigger kid arcades. But we were a little too young to where it was like a little dangerous. You know what I mean? You were too old for the ball pit. So you yeah. got to hang out and play Papa Shot in Mortal Kombat like a cool kid. And that dope X-Men cabinet, like, that was such a quarter murderer. I guess the Simpsons arcade game we talked about in 91, right? Yeah. Yeah, this was, man, going on beach trips, going to Myrtle Beach, going to the pavilion, finding that arcade, and just going crazy. That was this year. Like, Celebration Station, which is our place that had, like, the bumper boats and the arcade and the uh, mini golf. Like, going to places like that and just being thrilled to be there. Ugh, I miss it. The good old days. Paramount's Carowinds, riding roller coasters we're just about to start doing. Holden, we're, this is, now we're just covering the things Holden liked of 1992. I'm excited, man. I'm, like, we're really getting into some deep... Oh, my God. And the next year... No spoilers. Okay, fine. One spoiler. What do we have to look forward to for 1993? Beavis and Butthead, baby. <laughs> this is, like, my yeah. MTV, like... Next year is when I start like listening to Nirvana and Primus and shit, and I'm in fifth grade. Yeah, and that's very exciting. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited two percent cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn two percent cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and two percent cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited two percent cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another bonus episode of Wizard and the Bruiser, my favorite thing I think we maybe do, besides when I get to talk about... Um, I don't know, Jake. Maybe I ranked up to Super Silver in Street Fighter V yesterday. Congratulations. out there. I've honestly been working on doing that for months and months. How does it feel to be the only Ryu main in Super Silver right now? It's more interesting to see how how does Lexi feel when I jump around like I'm 14 all, all over again <laughs> because I ranked up and she just looks at me like, is there any sexual attraction left at that point? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, what do you mean, is there any sexual attraction <laughs> left? Does she not understand that there's a computer somewhere on a server that says you're very good at fighting 
karate not men? Not even, actually. I'm actually quite average to be super silver. But Saying that you are average at fighting computer karate <laughs> men? That is um, not abs- the panty dropper that I assume it is? Ugh, I wish, Jake, but unfortunately it's not. Um, but what is a panty dropper is 1993's offerings for video games. You told me ahead of time. First of all, I'm immediately seeing some stuff that tells me that this was not a bad year for movies. All right, you've got to be kidding me. Because Jake was like, oh, it's a shit year for movies. Great year for video games. Well, I agree with one of those statements. Come on, Dazed and Confused, Robin Hood Men in Tights, Coneheads. You're you're throwing Coneheads in the the quality category. That awesome uh, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers song, Soul to Squeeze, only on the Coneheads soundtrack. I got a soul to squeeze when I go down. You don't know. You know you love that song, Jake, and that's only found on the Coneheads soundtrack. You can't get that on any uh, formal Red Hot Chili Peppers album. Yes, I was a huge uh, RHCP fan back in the day, which is something I am mildly ashamed of but still come on so i'm here next murder this is a really good year for comedies this is a good year for comedies uh great year for comedies on the shit uh you know what it is i have like a vision of being a kid and not being happy with a lot of these movies because like i I, i'm the opposite hot shots part two Last Action Hero, Demolition Man. It was awesome to be a kid during this year. Oh, my God. Dude, remember Demolition Man? The Shells, Taco Bell. That was a great, that was per- amazing. Yeah, but then we also got, like, Josh and Sam and, like, all these just weird little, like, sequels. We're back, a dinosaur story. Oh, it's a bad year to be, like, a kid watching kids made for, stuff made for kids. But it's a good year for that transitional point when you're starting to watch big boy movies, which is kind of where we were. Uh, for listeners at home, that hissing is uh, my beautiful fiance Marie uh, frying bacon, and I will oh. not be denied the delicious sizzle. So you, honestly, I think you people deal love it. That. I'm enjoying the shit out of it. It makes me just want to have bacon immediately. I hope Lexi hears that. Oh God, it'd be so good to have some bacon made by a goddess. Uh, um, Jason goes to hell. Warlock, the Armageddon. Awful. Like, it's just, I I don't know. It's kind of all over the place. Like, as, you know, at when it was, when I was in 1993, I didn't know that, like, True Romance was a good movie. I didn't know yeah. Remains of the Day. Like, these are, these are just, and, like, Adam's Family Values say. wasn't as good as the first Adam's Family. Oh, it was great. I loved Adam's Family. Teenage Eat Mutant me. Ninja Turtles 3 wasn't as good as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. I mean, that is true. But I will say... Four comedies, great year. And I saw a lot of these in the theater. Robin Hood, Men in Tights. This is a great year to go to movies with my dad. Because mm. I saw, I remember now, I saw Robin Hood, Men in Tights in the theater with my dad. We loved it. Adam's Family Values in the theater with my dad. We loved it. Groundhog's Day in the theater with my dad. We loved it. It's a great year for, for I'd say, watching movies with your dad. Also, Mrs. Doubtfire was huge. And then on the romantic comedy side, there's actually some really good stuff with uh, really Sleepless in Seattle, I feel like, brought the romantic comedy back in a huge way in the 90s. That was like the big 90s statement. And then these kind of movies that were that came out and were big flops, but were great HBO Sunday afternoon movies. Cliffhanger? And that would be, You're talking about Cliffhanger. No, but that was the first R-rated movie I ever saw, just to give you another indication of like, oh, I'm starting to watch big boy movies now. It feels <laughs> awesome. Um, but no, I'm thinking, so I married an axe murderer and last action hero. Last action hero was shat upon so much and it does not deserve that at all. It is a brilliant satire, impeccably acted, 
Like, I'm shocked that it's not one of like the classic Schwarzenegger movies now. And right. it's kind well, it of, kind of is for a, our generation. It is because we knew we we knew its greatness. We saw its greatness, uh, and no one else believed us. It was like the kid who sees the monster and no one believes him. You know, we're like, no, last actually here is a great fucking movie. But there are also movies that, in here that put me in a weird mood. Uh, ca- that's the category I'm going with. Last Action Hero kind of does that, but also, um, oh, what was I going to say uh, that puts me in a weird mood? I just saw it. Oh, damn it. Um, I'll I'll find it. Oh, Nightmare Before Christmas came out this year as well. Oh, Secret. Okay, that's Secret amazing. Garden. Uh, is another one of those movies that put me in a weird mood. Secret Garden is one of your go-to movies that put me in such a weird mood. Uh, uh no, they were just movies that were on, so I watched them. Also, Searching for Bobby Fischer always put me in such a weird mood. Mm. You know what I mean? You wanted to watch this like great chess genius movie, and instead you're just like, oh, this boy seems tortured. Also, come on, Jay. I mean, for horror, all we have it looks like is Leprechaun. Mm. But that did mark a huge franchise. So, no, it's a bad year for horror movies. I would, your definition of huge is not what I think Hollywood <laughs> relates to. I would agree with Benny and June. Huge movie. Uh, another one. You know what's a weird nostalgia throwback for me right now? Is the one-two punch of uh, kids' baseball movies that was The Sandlot sure. and Rookie of the Year. Because in 1993, I was also playing Little League. A chubby boy body does not look good in a baseball uniform, but I didn't care. And the dream of rookie of the year that you could just like fuck up your shoulder in a way that like means you just don't have to practice anymore, that you can just like be instantly good at baseball. Right, right. Uh, I loved that. And Sandlot is remains a phenomenal movie. I feel like I'm really growing up in this year because I'm looking like I'm in love with movies like Homeward Bound and Free Willy. Honestly, it's a good year to be a kid, but it was also the first year. Dude, Jurassic fucking Park came out. Okay, Jurassic Park is. And and that was that was like and I I told the story when we first did the episode on Jurassic Park. But that was the first movie where my parents were like, we're going to go see this opening night. Do you think you can handle it? And it was like this big, I'm growing up moment. This was like such a big growing up year for me and and for film as well. Uh, Rudy, this is a great year. Oh my God. Rudy came out this year. Um, Wayne's World 2 was fine. It was yeah. fine. Uh, the Good uh, Son, fine. <laughs> good, there's a lot of like fine films that came out this year. Dave came out this year about the guy who, beca- I loved that movie, about the guy who uh, kind of falls backward into being president. You're, that's King Ralph. Was, like, You're thinking of King Ralph. All the same plot, these films. (laughs) All the same plot. Tombstone. This was one. This is like kind of like last time where I was where I was like, hey, did more movies just come out back in the day? Because I feel like there's so many to speak about here. Uh, Some that I've seen, you know, some that I cool runnings. First of all, I didn't see Barry in the lead. Google Google buries the lead so hard. Jurassic Park and Cool Running should have been like the first movies on the list. That's very old men came out this year. Again, another great movie to watch in the theater with your dad. Uh, uh, Sister Act two cop and a half. Great dad comedies. Um, Sister Act two. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, yeah. Why does Google think like, listen, what the what the people really want to hear about is. The Three Musketeers. <laughs> and <laughs> The Boy's Life. Yeah, it's like, what are we talking about here? Why is that the top? The top popular movies, according to Google, Son-in-Law, the Pauly Shore movie, is the literally the first movie that popped up for me. Um, which, again, I feel like it's just Google thinks I'm an idiot. I will yeah. say Daisy and Fuse became, I didn't see it when it came out, but it became like my 
number one movie by the end of high school. I mean, it was like that in Pulp Fiction, or, or really that in Reservoir Dogs, and like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Like, I had all those VHS tapes, and I'd watch them on repeat. And then The Boy's Life, which I don't even remember. It's it's uh, that and uh, Bronx Tale was like Robert De Niro's shitty dad acting yes. one-two punch. And Falling Down... I get Robin Hood Minutes Heights. I don't get uh, Dragon the Bruce Lee story, though. I, I never uh, indecent proposal. Yeah, it's just so weird what they chose. And then it's like Jurassic Park. You're not going to put that as the number one popular movie of 1983. I had to scroll way down to see Jurassic Park. It's kind of absurd. It's very uh, weird. This was also a big year for John Grisham. You've got the firm <laughs> this was and prime the Pelican Grisham. Brief. This was prime Grisham. And uh, my dad... Uh, of course, uh, a corporate lawyer, so we were no stranger to the works of John Grisham in the house, also an avid reader, so remember that being a big deal for us as a family. Oh my God, they're making them into movies, and I couldn't watch The Firm because it was too adult for me, but I did get to watch The Pelican Brief, I believe, again in the theater with my dad! <laughs> uh, I'm seeing a weird line in the um, action movie categories. There's like a lot of themes. I'm seeing uh, RoboCop 3, Cyborg Cop, American Cyborg Steel Warrior, uh, Cyborg 2, uh, Glass Shadow. Uh, interesting. We got American Kickboxer 2, American Yakuza, American Ninja 5. It's, uh, it's, a, weird, it's a weird, very specific era for sub-direct-to-video action movies. Yes, uh, absolutely, absolutely. I will go with you on that. What a crazy, there's just, this is a crazy year. Um, as, as the nineties have proven to me every single year, I'm like, wow, there's so many, but I guess with, with this much hindsight, you have movies that were popular when you were a kid that maybe don't even hold up anymore, but you still look at them fondly. You have other movies that over time have grown in terms of popularity. And then you have, you know, those giant blockbusters that came out that year as well. So I think that's why it feels like more came out since, you know. In the name of the Father, which I've never actually seen. There's a lot of movies I'm like embarrassed I haven't actually seen, but I have to like shout them out because I know. Menace to Society. What? Schindler's List came out in '93. Okay, fine. All right, all right. I'm, it's a I'm, huge I'm, year, Jake. You're this is a, a good year. It's a good year. Oh, <laughs> uh, I remember Schindler's List coming out, and like I didn't see that in the theater. I ended up seeing. I think I actually saw it finally when. Remember when it when it was shown uncut on one of the major TV channels. Remember um, that? That's when I saw it. I they like remember. played it completely uncensored on like one of the major networks, and I forget which one it was. And that's when I saw it. But uh, hold in. Yeah. Okay, fine. Schindler's List. Okay, fine. Jurassic Park. Okay, <laughs> okay fine. fine. All right, I get it. But do any of them compare to the Titanic video game releases of the year, All such right, as Day of the Tentacle and Sam and Max and, and the Seventh, seventh Guest? Guest and missed big adventure. Yeah. The CD-ROM adventure yes. game has never reached such dizzying heights. I like okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Schindler's List uh, humanizes the struggle of the Holocaust, but how many times in Schindler's List do I arbitrarily click a static background hoping something will activate? Look, I it's I guess it's okay because you're Jewish that you it can is. say that. It is. I'm I'm milking <laughs> this. <laughs> I'm milking that Schindler's List cow right now. <laughs> 
yeah, I mean, honestly, this also might have been the year that my parents finally upgraded the computer. We had an Apple II for the longest time. Oh, wow. It might have been this year or next year. But yeah, like I was just literally playing like Montezuma's Revenge and like Frogger on that computer. And we finally got a gateway computer after literally years of, of my parents take a long time to pull the trigger on stuff. Mm-hmm. They will speculate. They are consumer reports people. Like mm-hmm. and 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 to a fault, I would say. But but uh, either way, uh, that that that's the, the. But you know, they usually end up happy with the purchase when they finally make it. And I remember getting missed, you know, as one of the first things. I, I think it, I wonder if it even came with the PC almost. Like it seemed like it did, and just being blown away by that as this major step up, and then having to then later purchase a strategy guide. Might have been one of the first strategy guides I ever bought, actually, in order to just complete it literally by reading the strategy guide line for line because it was so obtuse and difficult to figure out for a childhood me. But I just remember walking around that that island being so cool. And then the live action video as well mm-hmm. in there, just being so blown away by its scope and then so confused by how hard it is. I was like, why is this this difficult? It's crazy. But uh, And it wouldn't be till way later that I would play Day of the Tentacle. I remember Seventh Guest, I was literally scared of Seventh Guest, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, those CGI spookies were, were it's, how did they manage to create such realistic phantasms? It, it really was absolutely terrifying. Was that what you were most, what did you have at this point at, at, um, at home? What did a young Jake with a giant lollipop and uh, little overalls have? Uh, we point? definitely had a computer with a CD-ROM drive, so I was definitely playing these adventure games. Uh, I think at this point I had a Super Nintendo and a Game Boy. Um, so... This is where this is what's really exciting to me is on um, the 16 bit consoles. We're reaching like pretty much height maturity. Uh, yes. Uh, Sonic CD has come out. So that means the Sega CD is out. Uh, the Aladdin games, both the Super Nintendo and the Genesis version are out. Yes. Oh, um, which also I bet that weird Sega TV channel. Remember that thing? The, it was uh, like a weird. The, it was. It's the Sega. You had to like plug it into a coaxial like cable. Yes. To download I had, games. I had a friend who had it. I mean, this was like proto Netflix mm-hmm. streaming. It was like live. It was kind of a weird version of live streaming video games. And my buddy had it. And I remember we played Aladdin on it, and it was like a mind blow. I was like, "What? There's just it's on a TV channel." It was like so mind blowing. But you're right. I also want to throw out there. I think Mega Man X was one of the best looking feeling. Oh yeah. Games on the Super Nintendo. So Mega Man X, I th- I feel like is like the one. It's the the platformer has matured. Like they've already had to reboot it and make it more extreme in order to like keep yes. in- interest. Uh, the extreme nineties are definitely happening. Yes. And on uh, Battle Toads is like uh, making waves. Uh, there's like fake Sonic people like Arrow the Acrobat. Gunstar Heroes on Genesis is like an incredible. You've thing. already got Clay Fighter uh, parodying fighting games, which we loved. So that means, you know, fighting games are like h- here in a huge way with Mortal Kombat 2 coming out this year as well. That was that was huge for sure. And but at the same time, while all this while on the PC, the adventure game is showcasing like multimedia stuff. And the 16-bit consoles are ruling school with just, like, mature titles that are just, like, kind of near flawless. Uh, there's a demon on the horizon, and that is a one-two punch of Sega coming out with Virtua Fighter in the arcades. Yes. The hit, and Daytona USA is already out at this point. The 3D demon is out of the box and is running Rampage. And as on the Super Nintendo, 
Star Fox is out trying to like, you know, wow people with their triangle graphics. So like the beginning is there, like the shift is starting. And so like as one is reaching its apex, the new generation, the new style is kind of like getting more attention and blowing people's minds at a much like bigger mind share. Yeah, this was such an exciting time in video games because it really did feel like every year was this massive step forward, right? Mm -hmm. We don't feel it anymore. We, we, you know, now it feels so incremental when like a new big system even comes out, right? Like, yeah, it looks better. But this was the tech, I mean, again, and I'm also looking at, you know, we've got, um, we've got uh, uh, Doom. Did Doom, the first Doom come out this year? Or was that just the first time it like got to consoles maybe? Um, uh, that's, that, I, th- I, f- I feel like we covered Doom before. Hold on. Let me, let's check the Wikipedia list. I mean, it's maybe it was just uh, Wolfenstein at that point. Ninety-three, yeah, Doom ninety-three. Like so yeah, okay, three D, the FPS, it's all changing. And Star Fox, so even predating the N sixty-four. Uh, man, I love doing these. This is so interesting. Like, this is such a cool little scope of. Oh, and I remember like how much hype just around still shots of Secret of Mana mm-hmm. coming out and being like, that looks incredible. Mm-hmm. And that's on what? The Super Nintendo. And so that was one of the moments I had major Super Nintendo regret when Secret of Mana was coming out as it looked so damn good. But I, oh, and I've already gushed so much about Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. So again, I think also the original Game Boy was even being pushed to the brink. Like Game Boy Color is 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 on the horizon, but uh, you had a game like Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. I, that was unfathomable on a yeah. Game Boy uh, before that point, like I couldn't believe they could fit that much game in a Game Boy game. And not only that much game, great. but like by just shifting the perspective a little bit, like it's yes. Link to the Past style graphics on your yeah. little handheld. Yes. Uh, so like, yeah, everything's matured. Uh, Kirby's Adventure came out for the regular Nintendo, which is one of my favorite Nintendo. It might be just my favorite pure, Nintendo game of all time. Pure joy, just pure fun. And uh, that, like Star Fox, had to rely on a bunch of extra chips to do things that like the hardware was never meant to do. Um, that's that's the difference between like now a PS5 can like even a PS4 Pro could like run a PS5 game just at like a shittier resolution at 30 frames per second. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas the generational, like there were things that were being done with video games that like the hardware could not even begin to understand how to do like it would like the math was not in place for it to happen. Uh, And then you, and just, Oh my God. NBA jam was huge in my household. Oh, so fun. And it was fun too cuz that was finally cuz my brother made me get Madden 92, which is the very first John Madden football game, I believe. Maybe mm-hmm. the I think it was the first. And I he convinced me somehow he like older brother hypnotized me into thinking I would actually enjoy Madden. You know, even though I hated sports and everything and I got it and I immediately regretted my decision because now I just have an older brother in my bedroom hogging my <laughs> Sega Genesis. It lo- caused a lot of fights. In fact, we got into probably our most vicious scramble. He was playing a tournament. I think he might have been on the final game and I was getting pissed at him because he just would not leave my room yeah. and not give me the Sega Genesis. So I unplugged the Sega Genesis oh, and he fucking railed on me. You did the, the, that was the nuclear intervene. option, man. That my dad was... had to like 
My yes, and and I I learned quick how bad of an idea that was. Like my dad had to jump on my brother and like hold him down. <laughs> I'm sorry. Which is like I'm sure that intense. was traumatic, but it Jesus. was intense. It's definitely a memory of my because that's the most physical like my family ever really got. I think mm-hmm. with each other too. Like my dad, you know, I did not have that much in the house. So I even felt bad for my brother after that because like that was scary for him. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because my dad got him. Like my dad got physically involved. It was so bad. Like oh man. It's- NBA so Jam many was... memories, Jake. So many memories just flooding into me right now talking about this. But NBA Jam, going back to that, the reason why uh, I brought that up, Madden. Finally, NBA Jam was this actually fun game for people who don't give a shit about sports that they could play with an older brother who gives a big shit about sports, right? And, and it had all those secrets. They they pulled in the secret stuff from Mortal Kombat and, and games of the like. So, you so also now you had can those... play as Bill and Hillary Clinton. Yes, and George Clinton and just all, all that made it so fun for someone like me who just wanted to nerd out over video games. It was literally, it was the answer to the non-sports person enjoying a video game, you know, pre-dating. We We covered it a little bit uh, in our Mortal Kombat episode, but like midway in the early 90s when they had Mortal Kombat and NBA Jam and like all these Kings of the arcade. They were just rulers of the arcade. Yeah. (sighs) Absolutely. Just a bunch of goobers in Chicago who are like, I guess we'll make other things besides pinball tables and then just conquering the world. Um, I think that that uh, Super Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back game aged quite well. People mm-hmm. look back on that fondly. I never got into Zombies Ate My Neighbors, but it did come out in 93. So I feel like I should point that out. Though yeah. It wasn't a yeah. Big uh, there's some good uh, SNK fighters as well. Uh, we got Samurai Showdown and Fatal Sam Fury. Show? Yes. Yeah. Samurai Showdown, dude. That was, again, and there was a Neo Geo arcade cabinet at my Pizza Hut. Mm-hmm. It was right by my uh, church. Right by my Unitarian Church of Charlotte, still there. The Pizza Hut, I don't think it, it might still be there. And uh, I have so many fond memories of going there and playing Samurai Showdown and eating the pizza buffet, the dessert breadsticks <laughs> from the pizza buffet. Uh, one of the wor- one of the funniest, worst games of all time, in my opinion, came out this year that I was so hyped about. I got it day one. I think I pre-ordered it. X-Men on the Sega Genesis. Ooh. And... and it's so funny because one of my favorite stories to tell about Henry, uh, Henry, of course, from last podcast to the left, is he he uh, he got all the way to Magneto in that game, which is honestly a huge feat. Incredible. Like I, I I could barely get past the third level. I think was where I got. I would always get stuck or or something. I forget. It was so it was so mean that game. That game was so mean, especially because you. Honestly, the set, if they had just made it easy and like fun, the setup was cool. Like switching between the different X Men, you know, and talk about things that put me in a weird mood. Just the music in that game, the grimy look of it, it just always put me in a weird mood. Henry, though, classically could not get past uh, Magneto. And one day he ended up literally throwing <laughs> his Sega Genesis across the room, smashing it against the wall and breaking it. He got so angry. I believe uh, it. It's an ch- incredibly frustrating game. It's incredibly frustrating, and I looked up uh, someone beating Magneto in that game and sent the YouTube link to Henry, like, decades ago. This is years and years ago, and it made him so mad, especially because, like, watch someone beat Magneto in that game. It's just X-Men on the stage, and it's 993. It makes no sense. They're, like, utilizing some weird glitch to do it. Yeah. Like, it makes no sense how they're beating it. I, I, I couldn't even, I was like, what? What is even happening on the screen right now? 
Oh, Holden, we got to get to TV because we did not schedule this bonus episode right. And we have to jump to the study stream soon. That's fine. I will say, though, uh, shout out to Sonic Spinball. I was such a Sonic kid that I got it, even though I wasn't a big pinball guy. And that ended up being surprisingly fun, but also way too hard. Uh, I think people like that Alien versus Predator on the SNES with some... some uh, and I, actually, I remember that Cool Spot game being... Legitimately the Cool Spot fun. game was way better than it had any right to be. Yeah, right? I remember that being legit and awesomely fun video game to play. A good a good blockbuster rent. And I think people love Illusion of Gaia as well, right? Um, I think, I, think I forget if Illusion of Gaia is like, I think it's a sleeper hit. I think the, the okay. true heads are like, yeah, are, it's, hard it's for like me to a well-kept it's, secret. It's SNES. I also legit, I really loved that first Bubsy game. It was really fun. I mean, you have big Bubsy energy, Holden. I don't mean I to do. insult you, but I'm a I'm a bit of a Bubsy. You're a bit. Of a All bubsy. right, television. What do you got for us? I mean, Beavis and Butthead, please. I mean, what a good time to be a kid just starting to grow up. Yeah, Beavis and Butthead, The X Files. It was like these shows were like bad kid shows, but mm-hmm. they were made for us. So good, man. Uh, Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman. I watched that religiously with my family. <laughs> Yeah, uh huh. I remember that. I remember that. that. I did, what did I watch? My family. I did really enjoy the nanny. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. really enjoyed the nanny. Boy Meets World. I can't believe JoJo first came out this year. That's the OAV. That's uh, oh, okay. The nineties one, which people love. It's like yeah. incredible. It has. I need uh, to go back and watch it. Satoshi Kone, I think, worked on it. There's like a hell yeah. It has a I'm pedigree. sure we talked about. I'm sure we talked about it in our episode. Another one that was good for like a kid just starting to grow out of cartoons, but still watching them uh, quite a bit. Animaniacs was a really good like, oh, this is kind of for big kids. And there's a lot of like adult jokes in it. It was really good for, again, specifically our generation, I feel like. Um, uh, the one-two punch that was the two Sonic cartoons, uh, the Goofy one and the Saturday morning one that literally broke an entire generation of kids' heads. Like it created just the amount of like, melodrama and post-apocalyptic sci-fi horror that was present in that show. Which show? uh, The Sonic the Hedgehog Saturday morning show. Yes, Had like this serialized story about like a post-apocalyptic like horror dystopia run by Dr. Eggman who wasn't like a goofy character. He was like, I will destroy the hedgehog. I will make him, (laughs) I will break him. Like terrifying Plus, it's all these like half naked animals. So like everyone just imprinted on this, created a generation of furries. Uh, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers also premiered in say, 1993. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was actually, again, talk about a kid growing up, was actually the one of the first children's shows that I was like, you know what? I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Personally, I just I wasn't a fan. And that's why I feel I wonder if how much I spoke about that in our episodes. I feel like I tried to not be negative about the show but it was definitely just one of those moments i was like oh i see the formula every episode's the same i don't like this formula is boring to me like they never change it you know what i mean because it would be the same series of events essentially would happen in every single episode uh it was i remember by the second season of power rangers i remember on the playground being like dragon sword and then like a friend just taps me on the shoulder being like no man we're not doing that anymore man we're not it's it's not don't nope we're not doing that anymore and i was like what Yeah. But dragon swords. <laughs> <laughs> painful. So painful. Yeah, you're right. I, that's why next year is going to be really interesting. How old were we in 93? We were 11? I was nine. Nine? Yeah. If I was, I, I was, was eight, yeah. And I was 11. Because, yeah, I was born in 82. Never right? forget. So that would, 
Never forget. I was uh, 11 at this time, so that really makes sense. So I'm about to, you know, I'm a couple years away from being a teenager. Next next year is going to be probably the year that I start really listening to music for the like seriously for the first time. Like my, you know, alt music, alt rock, and grunge becomes king. Obviously, we have Beavis and Butthead already starting in '93, so that's going to be a big deal. Yeah, and I'm just starting to grow out of this stuff. Like Bill Nye the Science Guy. Like that was more the generation just b- below me. You know what I mean? I did watch it, like, for sure. Um, uh, two comedy legends also. Uh, we got to talk about The State. Uh, Proto-Murder yes. Fist, I'd say. Just a plucky sure. New York sketch show that got picked for up sure. by MTV. And uh, Frasier, another plucky alt-comedy mainstay. Uh, I did. We were a Frasier house. That was probably a show I did actually watch with my uh, parents. Um, it took me forever to get on board. I don't think, like, I even started uh, watching it till it was off the air. Because it just... I tell you what, it I is did great. not understand the energy. I love it so much. It's I so was good. too busy watching SWAT Cats, the Radical Squadron, <laughs> a cartoon I, I, about cool cats that uh, use a jet fighter to fight kaiju. I was a total Niles head. I was all in for Niles. I, for me, it was like Sonic the Hedgehog and Niles. That's mm. what we're talking about in 93. The That's thing about SWAT Cats is they fought kaiju every week, but they <laughs> didn't have a basic like source for uh, monsters to show up. So like, Every episode took at least 10 minutes of just someone being like, man, I hope nothing bad happens to this toxic mutagen. Where can- like every episode they had to explain how a fucking gross giant monster showed up for them to fight with a jet. So, yeah, this is might actually be the year I started listening to grunge. Uh, I switched schools in fifth grade, which was very mm. difficult for me. I remember emotionally and then... uh I quickly uh, kind of got it together and found I really liked the the new school better and became really close friends with my buddy Pat. And he was essentially like, you don't read comic books anymore. Like, I kind of had the same thing. Like, I have this memory. He refutes it. He says it's not true. But I have this memory of him essentially the first day of, of uh, going to that new school in fifth grade, a school that I would go to all the way through uh, high school, by the way. Uh, same campus and um he was like yeah you don't really read comic books anymore you you listen to music now um here's nirvana and primus and white zombie it was like such a culture shock to me it was kind of insane up to that point i really did not listen to music like legitimately and i remember my brother my brother came home from the cd store and i think this is maybe next year that this happens to me not this year because i'm no, not seeing uh, it. so on the billboard top 100 for 1993 the only real like grungy or even like Really, the only like rock I'm even seeing is uh, Green Jelly. So I think we're just like a little bit before. Now, I have All Apologies, Nirvana. I've got Heart Shaped Box here. So uh, actually, Nevermind's already come out. And I'm oh. just starting to find Nirvana, I think, this year maybe, if this is the year I switched high schools. And I stopped collecting Spawn comic books, and I started collecting CDs and getting really into Green Day. So it's probably next year because I don't see Green Day. I do remember making fun of the Counting Crows with my buddy Pat a lot, though, and the song Mr. Jones. And I even uh, took my brother's uh, CD, mm-hmm. and it had the wor- the lyrics in the booklet, and I took it into school to make fun of it with my friends. So we were even critiquing really music at this point. This this is a big transition year. I think I said yeah, last year was as well, but you're really seeing like Creep by Radiohead comes out this year. Um, Cypress Hill, Insane in the Brain comes out this year. So, like, uh, to use a word, uh, you know, alt rock and rap is creeping in yeah. to oh, the well, main popular. We're talking about incredible songs. The number two hit song, according to the Billboard chart, was the first piece of music I ever owned. I owned the cassette album for Tag Team's Whoop There It Is. Ha, um, <laughs> yes. 
And that Famous was so funny for having three of the eight tracks be "Whoop, there it is. Yes, yes. That can you explain that real quick before we get out of here? Because that was one of the weirdest things in the world. Uh, <laughs> it was just I mean, it was a Miami drum and bass song that uh, was just the perfect one hit wonder driving beats. Um, the uh, let's see, where can I find the actual album? Do-do-do. Studio albums. Whoop. There it is. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, wait, maybe I'm maybe there's a different version that just has whoop. There it is on it three times. Oh, no. The greatest hits of tag team had whoop. There it is three times. <laughs> Not the actual album. Uh, Woomp There It Is is the first track. You Go Girl. And there's 13. You know, it's a good album. It's a good album. I respect them. Uh, an iconic cover if there ever was one. Love it. That's That was, well, you were learning about the depths of sorrow and the heaviness of reality. I was just in the club Ugh. talking about how everybody should know specifically that tag team, the rap group, is the best rap group. We're about to experience what I look back on as some of the worst years of my life. We're about to go to middle school and mm. it's going to be interesting, man, because it's going to be a major reflection of a lot. I was really miserable in middle school. Like I, I really did had not a have a good go. go. Of it. As soon as Rough social go. hierarchy started yes. appearing, I did yes. not fare well. As soon as it wasn't just normally accepted to exactly what you say, pretend to be a Power Ranger on the playground. As soon as that was ripped <laughs> from our guts and replaced with like trying to kiss a girl, it all went downhill. But we'll get to that next week or next uh, next time we record one of these. Thank you so much for your patronage. Uh, we've got to scramble and uh, get to the study session. Uh, I love doing these with you, Jake. It's so, so much fun. And uh, yeah, it's so much fun. Hopefully to, uh, we won't cry too much when we get to yeah, Oh, It's going to be rough, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Rough going, bros, but I'll talk about some really embarrassing middle school memories when we get there. I absolutely would love to talk about, oh, dances and like, uh, I, I was in love with Jennifer. My best friend Daniel ended up uh, getting to date her. Oh, it was just brutal. Hold it now. Just brutal. <laughs> just kill me now. All right. Thanks, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.